Hello, everyone, and welcome to Get Can Lit, a podcast that showcases Canadian authors. I'm your host, Maria Zupardi, an avid Can Lit reader, and keep on listening to find your next favorite book today. Welcome, welcome, everyone. Today, I want to talk mainly about my recent Can Lit reads because I've read so much in the past couple weeks, and also some industry gossip, or I guess we should say annoyances that I have. But first, a really sad announcement. If you listened to the last episode where I talk about Can Lit romance wrecks, you would know that the book chosen from the Canlet TBR jar was Velvet Was the Night by Sylvia Miranda-Garcia. And guess who didn't end up reading the book? (laughs) Me, clearly. Um, I completely failed, so my apologies. I wish I could say I was even like halfway done or like a quarter way through the book, but no, I didn't even attempt to pick it up. So for this episode, I won't choose a book from the TBR jar just because I'm really determined to read everything that comes out of that jar. So I want to read Velvet Was the Night for the next episode. Um, And I will try my very hardest. I will do it this time, I promise. With that being said, though, I did read a lot of other Canlit books, which I'm honestly shocked about. Like, you know, I started this podcast as a way to read like a couple more Canadian authors throughout the month. But here I am reading almost everything by Canadian authors. So like, go me, attempting to shrink that Canlit TBR. Like so far, I've read 21 books this year as I'm recording this episode, and 13 of them are by a Canadian, which is basically 61%. If my internet math percentage calculator is to be trusted, what do I know? I'm horrible at math. That's just what the internet told me. (laughs) So anyways, I'm just going to go in order of the books that I read, starting with one that I read for work, Dundurn Press, which is These Days Are Numbered by Rebecca Rosenblum, and that comes out on June 13th. I think, though, that because these Facebook posts were honestly originally just meant for Rebecca's Facebook friends obviously it makes the book that much more personal and Rebecca's humor just shows so much I did take a while to read this book though I think this is best read um like in little chunks to be honest but all right and the next book I finished was Two for the Road by Chantel Guertin now I did mention this in the last episode that I had just started it shout out to Penguin Random House Canada for the arc Um, And I'm happy to report that my assumption of Chantel having a great selling romance with this book will most definitely be 100% correct. I loved this story so much. It did end up being closed door like I thought it would. Um, So because of that, I'd probably say it's definitely more contemporary romance. But I mean, I honestly just want to drop everything and go on a bus tour in London right now. Like words cannot describe how much I loved this plot and setting. Like honestly, it was just the perfect book at the perfect time. Um, Yeah, the characters were great too, obviously. I love when you can learn about a book's secondary characters. So like if you've read The Lost Ticket by Freya Sampson, who's not Canadian, but like that's kind of what I thought of, um, then you like you'll know what I mean about the secondary characters being as part of the story as the main characters. The only difference here, obviously, being that Two for the Road by Chantal Guertin is a million times better than The Lost Ticket, in my opinion. But anyways, this is releasing on March 28th. And again, if you love contemporary romance books, then you'll absolutely love this, I promise. Plus, I mean, we have a romance bookstore owner who goes to 
London to basically find the audiobook narrator that she loves and who she's convinced is the one. So like, who wouldn't love that kind of setting, right? All right. So what's the opposite of light and lovey-dovey type of books? Dark and twisted (laughs) in my world. And after Two for the Road, I really needed that kind of palate cleanser in the form of a thriller. (laughs) And I had a NetGalley download of The Drowning Woman by Robin Harding. So this one doesn't come out until June 13th, but oh my god, I think this is the year, honestly, where I give second chances to authors. Full disclosure, I previously read Her Pretty Face, and I did not like that at all. Like, I just, I was so disappointed by it. Um, So I guess going into The Drowning Woman, I had really low expectations to begin with, but I was so happy to be proven wrong. Um, This book had me right from the start. The plot for this one was also unique. Um, So let me just give you a brief run down without trying to like spoil anything um how do i say this so our main character lee uh she had just opened like a glitzy restaurant right before the pandemic and obviously you know glitzy restaurant nobody's gonna go to you during the pandemic so she basically lost everything and now she is homeless living on the streets but she's got this layer of danger around her because she's on the run from some people that she owes a lot of money to (laughs) so her uh, life is a little dangerous right now Um, but she's still trying to get back on her feet and obviously that's easier said than done I find that she was a character that like she was yeah like she's homeless but she didn't yet accept the like her stage of homelessness if that makes sense like she would look at other homeless people and like compare herself to them and it's like no honey like you're in the same situation you are not above them but like that's just her character traits but it was interesting to see um this amount of separation that she had with other homeless people that even though she was as bad off as them kind of anyways that was a sidebar So, okay, she's homeless, and then she finds a secluded rich area to kind of park her car at night and sleep there because she uh, was in a situation and she just feels unsafe in the city. But then, (laughs) one early morning, like, it's, I don't know, it's probably like five, six o'clock, she sees this other woman. We later learn her name is Hazel, um, and Hazel basically threw herself into the ocean, and Lee saves her life. But then Hazel reveals that she was actually trying to kill herself because she just wasn't she's in an abusive relationship and with her rich ass lawyer husband and I don't know like obviously that's a very terrible situation so she wanted to get out of it um so the book continues on and then Hazel basically comes up with this idea that she wants Lee to help her disappear um which is wild like the story was so wild and with some really great twists um in my opinion (laughs) the book also switches perspectives between lee and hazel which i thought was cool because it's not like an alternating chapter like with lee and then hazel like we get a whole chunk of lee and then a whole chunk of hazel and then it goes back to lee and then hazel um so yeah that was really cool and when we get to hazel's first point of view or first chunk of um of her point of views we get to learn a lot of stuff that falls into place and makes sense. I will say, though, that The Drowning Woman does have a couple of loose ends not tied at the end, but I think once you reach that point, you won't mind it as much. Um, Like, is this Robin Harding's best work? I don't know, because this is only the second book I've read by her. But now that I've read this one, I do really want to check out her other backlist books. I think she'd be a really fun author, honestly, to, like, rank her books from favorite to least favorite, like, if you read them all. 
Um, so yeah, again, that was The Drowning Woman by Robin Harding coming out on June 13th. And honestly, I'd expect her to be at Tifa's Motive Festival, which is in early June. I don't think their lineup has been announced publicly yet. Um, if it is, I'll leave the details in the description box so you can also like learn more about the festival. They just started it last year. Um, basically, it's a Toronto mystery thriller author fest, which is fabulous. Like We need that. All right. And keeping with the thriller mystery vibes, I did finally read Bad Cree by debut novelist Jessica Johns. So this one is about a Cree woman whose dreams become all too real. <laughs> like she starts to bring stuff back from her dreams type of real. Like it's very freaky and terrifying. <laughs> she does move back home to Alberta to be with her family to kind of try and figure out what the hell is happening to her. Um, and we do find out what's going on, which is fabulous. Like I love this. But along the way, we also kind of get to see the family heal their relationships with one another because there's just been a lot of death lately and nothing has really been um, dealt with in a way. You'll know when you read this book. I did expect this to be a lot more horror-y, if that makes sense. Like the beginning was okay and then it's like you're waiting for the horror and then the middle comes and you're like, okay, still kind of waiting for like full-on horror. And then towards the ending, like you do get all of that horror kind of built up that was that could have been I think sprinkled through the book a little bit more um it was very character driven which did again take me a while to get into I also felt like this could either have been slightly shorter or I don't know at least have a little bit more action in it especially again in the middle I just it dragged on a little bit too much for my liking uh, but overall, I did honestly enjoy the book mostly. And the ending with The Last Dream just made me cry like a baby. Like, it was just so, it was a great way to wrap up um, this whole situation. I loved it. So again, that was The Bad Cree by Jessica Johns. Again, if you like character-driven books and are looking for like a truly unique story idea, then this book is definitely for you. I do recommend it. Maybe borrow it first, like before you commit to buying it, I think, just if you're not sure about it. But I mean, I think it's really great. It is definitely bookshelf worthy for the right people. And the last Canlip book that I read was actually poetry, believe it or not. And that is The Shadowlist by Jen Sukfong Lee. It was really short. Honestly, I started this at like 3 a.m. because I couldn't sleep. Um, I haven't been able to sleep well for the past couple nights. And so I just read this all at once. Like I was just, yeah, that's what I do. Like I just grab a short book when I can't sleep and I read it. Um, now I definitely do think with any poetry collection, you should obviously read it when you're wide awake and not in the middle of the night. Because I also wish I had a pen or like something I can write with in this book to take notes. Because I do like to take a little bit of notes when I read poetry. Um, but here we are. That's just what happened. It just happens like this sometimes. Um, I really liked the language in these poems. Definitely a very personal collection that I think would honestly work best if you read it in little chunks. Like, obviously not all at once at like 3 a.m. in the morning. Um, I feel like this book, though, it's for true poetry lovers or people who appreciate poetry. I think if you're just somebody like me who's looking for something like a little bit more accessible um, that doesn't take a lot of brain power to read, then this is probably not the best collection for you to pick up. But with that being said, what I did love most about the Shadow List by Jen Suk Fung Lee was that you can really tell that Jen put everything into these poems. So I think that's what I really liked the most about it. And again, the language was musical. 
Um, it flowed really nicely. I would love to listen to this as an audiobook if it's available, because sometimes like poetry and audiobooks, especially narrated by the author, those are always really cool. So I don't I don't know if that's available, but it should be. <laughs> Anyways, and there you have it, five Canadian authored books that I finished reading in the span of like two weeks. Look at me go, everyone. Here I was thinking my February reading month would suck. Um, but let's gossip. Let's go to the gossip portion of this podcast episode um, because something did suck this month and continues to suck. If you live in Canada, you probably know what I'm going to talk about, but I guess I'm also going to put this in the description box and title anyways. So that is the indigo situation happening here because what an actual disaster, literally a clusterfuck of a disaster, especially for Canadian authors. So let me just rage for a few minutes because I have this story from like every angle. I've got the publishing angle, the book buying angle, and obviously the Canadian author angle. So I'm just going to get right into it because I, I like I've been keeping these feelings in for a good couple weeks now and I've just been getting increasingly and increasingly pissed off. <laughs> so basically what happened, in case you're not aware, I know I have a few international friends listening to this. So about three weeks now, on February 8th, I looked at the date, Indigo announced that they had a cybersecurity attack and their website was down. You couldn't make any online purchases. You can only buy in store for a time, um, but it was cash only. Their POS, point of sale systems, were down. They couldn't accept gift cards. They couldn't redeem points, your plum points, a mess. And their POS systems were back up like a few days later. Their website remains dark. It is still dark to this day. They do have a temporary one in place where you can mainly browse titles, um, but like it's not that great. You can buy some titles, like I checked the latest Colleen Hoover book or something like whatever, all the big titles that you would like to buy online, you can get them off of their new limited website. But do you really want to at this point? I know I don't. <laughs> like that customer trust is gone. <laughs> I apologize. Like, sorry, Indigo, but I don't know. This is just messed up. Let's go through the Canadian publishers angle first. So Obviously, as Canadian publishers, you rely on Indigo's buy-in because obviously they're like your biggest account, like they're your biggest customers. It's the only one huge book chain in Canada that we have here. I'd honestly compare them to Barnes & Noble, but I don't know, for the past couple years, maybe, well, not couple years, for the past few years, um, Indigo has been more for like lifestyle products. So think candles, uh, what else do they have? Blankets, all this overpriced shit that you don't need. Um, so yeah, I can't really compare them to Barnes and Nobles, but if this was like 10, 15 years ago, yes, they were our Barnes and Nobles. <laughs> Anyways, regardless of that, Indigo is still a big book buying power here. So the issue now is that their distribution centers aren't accepting shipments of books. So basically it's up to the individual store to order stock right now, which is a mess. Because <laughs> if you work in Canlet Publishing and your distribution was also a complete disaster in the fall season, then you know the reason. I won't get into that now because that's just that's just too much in the wrong direction that we want to go. I don't want to go there. <laughs> um, but yeah, like this is just detrimental to publishers being able to make a sale that they're obviously you know like little Canadian presses like they're not going to obviously make like hundreds of thousands of dollars off of Indigo you know with their with their online site being limited 
but I mean, it's not good either for sales. It costs money to print these books and have them sitting in a warehouse. And if they're not moving, you know, as little, even if they do move a couple copies, whatever, it doesn't matter. It's still sales you're missing out on. So that's the state of Indigo for Canadian publishers right now. Let's move on to the authors, because <laughs> this is depressing as fuck. Because distribution is a mess to Indigo, it depends on the individual stores and what people obviously want the store to stock, which is fine. But for authors, like first-time authors depend on good sales or, you know, as good as Canadian sales can get for their first book. So that way, when they're ready with their second book, they can get a better contract. Um, it could mean a difference. You never know between like, you know, moving from a small company to up to like a big five, or even like if you're publishing with a really small Canadian press, like a slightly larger Canadian independently owned press might not take you because of your sales. You know, like this is just, it's just going into too much. It's just affecting too many people and too many things. But on the flip side, let's say you have, you're a semi-known author and let's say it's your second or third book and you do have that big five company contract. They might not, because your sales are totally shit now, thanks to Indigo, they might not renew a contract or they might pass on your next manuscript. And then you have to either go down to, you know, like an independent company, which that might not be ideal for the type of book because you know it's a good you know, you know, it'll be a good seller kind of thing. Um, yeah, so they might not accept your new manuscript because of the recent sales, <laughs> which is like Dutch. Again, it's just it affects too many people. Like I've just repeated myself a million times. So yeah, that's basically where we are in terms of the impact of getting books into the hands of Canadian readers. Um, of course, now, because I love supporting my local indie bookstores, Book City and Queen Books, now is a fabulous time to support them or any of your local bookstores. I know a lot of them do ship like Canada wide. So like McNally Robinson in Winnipeg, I guess. I know they have a couple um, locations there, but they do ship Canada wide. And so many other indie bookstores will do that also. Um, you can also suggest that your library buy a physical or digital copy of a book. I think if we just all start to collectively do that as often as we can, then our Canadian authors will be okay. But like, still, that's just, again, like one company. <laughs> that's how far of an impact that this has on, you know, all these people like publishers, employees, distribution, those distribution employees, authors, contracts, sales, royalties, all that stuff. So now that we're done on the impact of the Canadian, you know, book buying industry, let's go down to the real mess because this is a recent development, kind of. Um, there was a new statement from Indigo that talked about how employee information was breached. Employee information, like anywhere between fucking January and early February when they shut down their website. Um, so we're talking basically names, date of births, direct deposit information, and guess what? Your social insurance number um, from employees past and present. I get that in, you know, you like, don't, aren't we supposed to like keep our tax information for like seven years? It's like I get that why they would have old employee information on record but like I don't know I I don't know I'm not an accountant like I can barely do simple math so like I'm not going to pretend that I know what the hell they're doing but like what the hell are they doing <laughs> like I get it but at the same time like 
you couldn't anyways whatever i won't get into it um but in a statement to employees though indigo says and i'm quoting here through TransUnion, we have arranged a two-year subscription to TransUnion My True Identity, an online monitoring service at no cost to you. And like, again, all this information is coming out now. And like, you know, their employee information is basically like fucked. And they're still saying that customer data hasn't been breached. I don't know. You know, I like, I really don't believe it. There's no way that they had access to all of this employee information but they didn't breach any customer data or it hasn't been accessed. Like it's, I don't know, for me, it's a really hard pill to swallow. Um, That's why I don't trust them anymore. (laughs) Like there's so many people that have been fucked. (laughs) I've, again, I know I've said that, but like, I just can't believe the amount of just how deep this goes. And it's only one company. Like that's this terrifying thing. It's a little book company in Canada that's like the one big chain that we have. You know what I mean? Like how do they decide to do this to Indigo? But I don't know, whatever. Anyways, um, yeah, that's the depressing status of the Canadian book buying economy right now. (laughs) It's a disaster. And do you know like how many pre-orders I have through Indigo? Honestly, I'm waiting for my Venco pre-order to cancel by Sherry DeMoline, um, because they offered it to me. Like they said, hey, your pre-order, we have no idea when it'll ship out. So you can, you know, email us back. We will, I guess, put you on a list and whenever their online systems are back and then they'll cancel it. If it doesn't end up getting canceled or if they can't cancel it at that point, I can always return the book in store, which is fine. Um, so yeah, I just went in store to buy it because like they offered that to me, but I have other pre-orders. So it's like, what's going to happen? Like, I know I have the fake by Zoe Whittle pre-ordered. I don't know when that book comes out, but like, I, I, like I had so many Indigo gift cards for Christmas. Like I just pre-ordered a shit ton of Canlit books. And now I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Their customer service team is great though. Um, like they're really nice. They also offered me 20% discount because of my recent interaction, I guess, with the team because I did want to cancel that Venco pre-order. Um, and I think it's only good till like the end of March or something. I don't know, but whatever, like they're offering all this stuff, which is great, but like, I don't know. (sighs) I don't know, man. I just suggest buying through your local indie (laughs) whenever you can for the foreseeable future. God, what a mess. And it's not just like, Canadian authors like again like the Canadian small Canadian companies who depend on like some grants depend on sales I think if I'm not mistaken so you know like this is just going to affect so many people right now obviously but like down the road and even the employees like it's yeah it's a mess so yeah welcome to Canada (laughs) if you come here don't shop online on Indigo All right, everyone, that's a wrap for me today. Um, I hope you enjoyed the gossip portion and I hope you check out the books that I recommended above. Um, And yeah, I will see you for my next episode. And maybe if there's a future update on the Indigo situation, I'll talk about that next time. I don't know, but we shall see. Happy reading and I hope you found. Thanks for listening to the Get Canlit podcast, a show that's all about what Canadian authors you need to read next. Don't forget to rate, review, and follow on your favorite platform and watch out for new episodes every other Tuesday. You can find me on social media at Get Canlit Podcast on Instagram and Facebook and at Get Canlit Pod on Twitter. Thank you and I'll see you next time.